Welding instructor Alex DeClaire knows VR training platforms like ForgeFX help students master their skills. There's a big learning curve with welding. Virtual reality simulates that exact muscle memory that they need. Learn more at meta.com slash metaverse impact. Is America's primary system working? Is the Electoral College still the best process for electing a president? Could a third-party candidate ever be successful? In a new season of You Might Be Right, former Tennessee governors Bill Haslam and Phil Bredesen gather the country's top experts to explore these issues and more as we approach the 2024 presidential election. Listen to You Might Be Right, a new podcast from the Baker School at the University of Tennessee, available now wherever you get your podcasts. Let the word go forth. Fool me once. Are you fired up? I'm not a crook. Are you ready to go? Shame on, shame on you. It's Abe Lincoln's Top Hat, hosted by Ben Kissel. Boom, we can't get fooled again. Hey, what's up, everyone? How you doing? Ben Kissel here, hanging out with Fernando. Hello, Ben. And Travis Irvine. Hello, Ben. Today, we're honored to have with us again for the second time, he's no Top Hat virgin, (laughs) the author of the new book, Saving Democracy, a user's manual for every American, David Pepper. Thank you so much for being on the show, David. Thank you. Great to be back with you guys. I know that you're celebrating issue one in Ohio, obviously a small victory for a large victory, as a matter of fact, for democracy. Uh, Maybe you can start with this and how it extrapolates on the nation as a whole and uh, just discuss your book, Saving Democracy. And how the hell do we do that? (laughs) Well, you know, they, they sort of connect up together. I, I've been trying to convince people for a couple of years that, listen, and, and you know this, but other people don't see it yet. The other side knows that their views are really unpopular. They know mm-hmm. that. They, they know that their future would be never-ending losses in elections uh, if, it was, if it's about their views. You know, abortion bans, no exceptions, all sorts of other things. So the point of the books is to say, so that's why they rig the rules to try and win even when they lose. Well, that's what issue one was. Issue one was literally like the perfect summary of how they do things. They know that they are in trouble with an abortion referendum in November. Mm -hmm. They see it coming. They see the pollings in like the high 50s to support it. So what do they do? They have literally an election in August that violates the Ohio Revised Code ban on August elections. They do it anyway to try and rig the rules to hit 60 percent. So even if they only get 41% November, they still win. So in in many ways, it's the perfect summary of their mindset, which is we've got to change the rules enough so the democracy is subverted enough so we win with unpopular views. And the good thing about Ohio is Ohioans saw through it. It was so blatant, so lawless that you even saw pretty Republican areas say, no, we're not voting for that nonsense. And so now they're going to have to face the voters in November on a majority rule basis, which I think should lead if everyone works hard uh, to what happened in Kansas and Michigan and Kentucky, which is a woman's right to choose is enshrined in the Ohio Constitution. Are you surprised that we're here talking about this topic in 2023? Uh, No, I I, I think that we have seen. And this is why I wrote this first book, the one we talked about last time, Laboratories of Autocracy. Right. Since Obama won the far right is basically waking up to the fact that almost everything they stand for is a deeply minority viewpoint. And the closer they get to losing power because of it, the more the more sort of um, aggressive and lawless they are to try and stop it. 
So once, you know, if you had asked me in 2010, yeah, I wouldn't have thought it. But but the last couple of years, it's so clear what they're doing. Now, it's for a lot of people, they don't want to see it because it feels so un-American that one side is literally against democracy. But that's what it is. It's getting worse. It's getting more extreme. And so it's honestly, at this point, it's kind of what I expect. And, and, and we just have to keep fighting back the way we're fighting back. And we are fighting back now, which is good. But we've got to keep doing it. We've got to be smarter about how we do it because it, they're going to keep going until they're truly thumped in ways that we thumped them last week again and again and again. Saving Democracy, a user's manual for every American. And it almost reads like the zombie's guide, uh, surviving book. the zombie attack <laughs> Love that uh, by, uh, by I, I forget, I think it's Stephen King's his son or something. Mel like Brooks's son. Yeah, there you go. Yeah, yeah. Um, Close, yeah. But you do have to go after these people, you know, with... Uh, uh, with a level of intensity that I don't think many Americans thought that we were going to have. I mean, I think a lot of people after Obama, 2008, we won. Racism's exactly. over. Right. The world's <laughs> on the right path. I mean, and granted, yeah. the man had his own problems and, and everything else, but indeed he was a statesman at the very least. So are people starting now, as you mentioned, waking up to the fact that this fight isn't, maybe you didn't start it, but it's up to uh, it, it's up to us to finish it. So what's, uh, in your manual, obviously, don't you know? Give it away here, the whole thing, but maybe just a little bit of a a tool or or something we can use, right? I mean, the first thing is, it's a great, and I put this in the book. It's a great reminder that when Obama won, we had an amazing moment in Chicago, and we all felt like we won, and that happened again in twenty when we beat Trump and we won in Georgia before January, you know, the, the night of the Georgia victories. And we look later, a few months later, the Tea Party and birtherism and Trump winning after Obama, and we realized, well, that moment that we felt like we were winning, we didn't. And, and that should be a kind of a jarring thing to think about, because if you ever had a game plan that was so flawed that you were celebrating a victory when, in fact, you weren't winning, it means your game plan is really flawed. Right. And so the wake-up call of my both books, but the second book is to say, if you find yourself celebrating and later on you look back and think, well, I should have been celebrating. I was still losing. I just didn't know it. Mm. That's a wake up call. And, and so the first thing before I get to all the steps in the book is the reason why we thought we were winning when we weren't in a deeper battle for democracy level is because their battle against democracy starts in all these states. Mm -hmm. Yes, we won the Obama race. Yes, we won Biden. But when in 2010, Karl Rove swept state houses and gerrymandered the hell out of our country, they were still moving forward on their plan as we were still celebrating the federal victories as if that was the whole battle. So the first thing is to really wake up to see they are in a battle for democracy itself. It's not some little crisp battle for a few federal offices. It is a battle for democracy itself. And their front line in that battle are the states of this country. That's the more important leverage point for them to subvert democracy because you win a state, you gerrymander that state. You win a state, you suppress the vote. You ban drop boxes. You try and do like issue one. That's where you can really ratchet down democracy in a way that has massive implications in that state and beyond. And that's and the reason we were in this false celebration is because we weren't watching what they were doing. So first step is see what their battle is. Realize that's our battle too. We are in a battle for democracy itself. The front line of that battle are the states. 
Now, the good news about that, this very sobering conclusion that you reach when you see it is the, the broader the narrative that we're just in some magical battle for a few federal swing states, that's actually a really disempowering battle because mm-hmm. it makes most people think, well, I don't live in a swing state. There's nothing I can do. I'm just going to sit and watch as everything falls apart. Once you realize, oh, no, 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 you're in a battle for democracy and their front line is actually Ohio, Oklahoma, Tennessee, um, New York State. We had a low, too low voter turnout. Santos wins. They win the House. The battle mm-hmm. is everywhere. And what that does, I hope, is empower everyone to think, well, my God, it's where I am, too, then. And so whether you're in Oklahoma, where we need to stop allowing 60 percent of the Republicans to run unopposed for the Mm. Oklahoma State House, or Tennessee, where 50 percent run unopposed, or New York State, where the party isn't very strong, so turnout was terrible, and so we lose the House, there are so many things that you can be doing wherever you are once you realize and the battle is is literally you're in the front yard of the battle. You're on the front line. And so once you realize that, that's when the book says, OK, build an infrastructure to support running everywhere. Um, engage the voters that they are suppressing to keeping out because they want to subvert the majority. As in Ohio, that means if you if you're if you know the mayor, make sure he or she is registering every voter. If you're on the board of a homeless shelter, make sure it's registering every voter. If you run a restaurant, register every customer. School board, front line, get to that school board meeting. Don't let them ban books. If you show up in a big crowd, you'll probably win that battle. It's happening all over. So I go through mm-hmm. all the steps once you realize, don't sit back and, and watch TV and think there's nothing you can do about it. There are so many things you can do about it. And, and, yeah. and the, the truth is it's limitless, but most people aren't doing most of them because they don't actually realize that they're on the front line in, in the first place. And of course, the entire point of television news is to make you so angry that you don't do anything. <laughs> and the status quo remains, as we've seen with the air quotes liberal network that is MSNBC, which is literally just the CIA. Well, David goes on there. He's not CIA. I know that. <laughs> they have some good guests. Yeah. All right. So when it comes to infrastructure, what does that look like in a tangible sense? How do you get, is it just a group of friends and a YMCA? Uh, how, what do you, what does that mean when you say it, build infrastructure? So there's so many, there are different types. So I've become really convinced. What's fun about writing a book is you're really always challenging yourself to think through every problem you're laying out. There's one infrastructure, um, there's one big part of the book that, I, that, that we just aren't doing well. And that is, there's been an entire part of the American population either intentionally kicked out of democracy through purging and suppression or who have self-selected out of democracy because they do not think it changes their life. So they're not voting. And that's a big part of the electorate. I mean, J.D. Vance is senator of Ohio with only 25 percent of the people who live in Ohio voting for him because most aren't voting. And so one piece of infrastructure is to build up. How are we engaging all the people who have been removed from the conversation of democracy by others like a state house that's suppressing them or have actually come to the conclusion that it doesn't matter for them? And the good news here is I believe here the infrastructure actually exists to a great degree, but we just don't aren't using it the right way. The single best, and this is a big chapter in the book, the single best institutions to engage those voters already exist. But too often, they don't think they have a role in lifting democracy. When I say this, I'll say, rather than the Dem- although the Democratic Party has to do better at this, knocking on doors with three weeks to go when they've never seen you before saying, oh, my gosh, don't forget to vote, is not going to convince people who've decided democracy doesn't matter to them to vote. Mm-hmm. In fact, it's a, it's a reminder that they're literally just 
sort of um, being used by the system to vote because it doesn't feel meaningful. What we need to do is convince, and this is not a hard thing to do, the single best institutions to engage these folks, the infrastructure exists. It's, and all of these folks we know are poor. They have needs. It's the food bank that serves them food. Also saying at the end of that moment, hey, are you registered to vote? Because you need, we need your voice in this battle. Or it's the health clinic that City of Cincinnati runs saying as they sign you in to get the treatment you need. And the last question the signing is, are you registered? Oh, you should be. You want to fight for health care. Being, being a voter will help. So there's in one of the it's one of the great missed opportunities are all these community serving organizations that are actually in connection with these people that the parties are not that most candidates are not that mm-hmm. aren't taking on a pro democracy nonpartisan pro democracy role so that infrastructure exists and what we all have to do to the extent we have connections and infrastructure we need to help show them that there's so much they could be doing to engaging yeah. their constituents. And we need them to see that part of truly engaging their constituents is lifting their constituents into democracy. So that's one piece. Uh, The other one, and it's a long answer, it's a big question. Another big piece of infrastructure to talk about is we are literally allowing them to run their extremism through red districts of red states that we don't even compete in. We don't even run in. And we need an infrastructure that values running everywhere. And that, that one we have to build more. We need to right. we need to show every single candidate in a red district or red state. We actually care that you run right now. We actually send a message that we don't care that they run. That's why no one runs. That's why 60 percent of Oklahoma Republicans aren't opposed. We have to mm-hmm. build an infrastructure around recruiting, training, dollar support and just sort of a broader sort of communication to these candidates. Hey, you're running, even though you, you may lose. It's incredible public service. It's yeah. incredibly valued. So there's an infrastructure there as well that we have to build up. Across America, BP supports more than 275,000 jobs to keep energy flowing. Jobs like building grid-scale solar energy in Ohio and producing gas with fewer operational emissions in Texas. It's and, not or. See what doing both means for energy nationwide at bp.com slash investing in America. As a professional welder, Shayna Ford uses Forge FX to practice over and over, which helps her improve her skills. The more muscle memory that you have, the smoother your weld is. Learn more at meta.com slash metaverse impact. My last point before getting the boys in here, and obviously when it comes to the DNC, I think they could allocate their funds a lot better. Uh, that was definitely one of the areas where it was like, why are some some races are more important than the others? And there's, well, I think there's a lot of money that's wasted there. Believe it or not, <laughs> I know within politics, but a perfect example of what you're talking about to me is what happened in East Palestine. Um, as the Republicans completely abandoned those red voters, right. Trump supporters totally. who got totally fucked over by Norfolk Southern. No one's taking any accountability. And there was some good consensus, some good bipartisan uh, consensus, but led by Sherrod Brown to try to get those people some help from the federal government with federal aid programs, uh, sending FEMA in. So from that perspective is when it comes to grassroots, that's good use of politics and helping people. Right. Yeah, and we should be doing that proactively all the time. Towns like East Palestine are being 
absolutely destroyed by the right-wing politics of yeah. states like Ohio. I can go back 20 years and show you people trying to convince Ohio to require more safety when it came to our rail. And these these corrupted state houses that do the bidding of private interests as opposed to the public mm -hmm. never did those things. And so I don't care if it's raiding the local government funds of towns like this, if it's taking money from their schools to give out to private scams that they've done in Ohio, if mm. it's not regulating safety or environment, these towns are literally the victims of right-wing trickle-down, do-whatever-the-private-interests-want politics. And rather than even waiting till after the accident, we should be pointing it out all the time. Do you know why we're not pointing it out all the time everywhere? Because half the time we're not even running in these places. So they get to say, oh, the reason your, our town's falling apart is because some caravan from Mexico. Right. And there's right. no one else even rebutting and saying, there's nothing to do with that. There isn't even a caravan. It's because right. the state house took all your money right. and they gave it away to some private school scam. So you're paying more for football because they gave the money away or your streets are falling apart because they gave out tax cuts at the top and stripped local government of its funding or they didn't make our rails safe because they were lobbied intensely by Norfolk Southern. So when we're not running everywhere, they get to define why these places are struggling even when it's their policies that are making that. So absolutely. And what I'm saying is right now, we we don't we do not have an infrastructure that values running in all these places. And and I, again, what one one example I give in my book, I have this little pie chart. And I don't I don't blame Amy McGrath for raising hundred million dollars. Good for her. That's what you do as a camp candidate. But take take 20 million of her 80 million. And you could be running in dozens and dozens of districts that we don't even compete in. And you'd start to bring some accountability back in all these states. And, and I, again, that's not really on her. That's on all of us for not having a kind of a grown-up conversation. That, sure, do we want her to beat Mitch McConnell? Of course. But winning the battle for democracy is not just that race. In fact, after a certain amount of money, there's only so much that really matters anymore. It's, a, it's an extra TV ad piled on all these other TV ads. Mm -hmm. But take that money, divide it up into state-level races where a 50 grand total is an entire campaign. Yeah. And you could be having a much more impactful, uh, you know, difference you're making on democracy itself than these celebrity Senate races. So I think we mm -hmm. have to have the conversation. That's partly the DNC. It's partly, though, everyone started to demand it as well, including donors saying to the DNC or to, to Chuck Schumer or Biden, Hey, what's our plan for these states where that extremism is exploding? How do we win those back? And don't just say it's another Senate race, because that's not that's not the only answer. Mm -hmm, There's mm -hmm. a lot more to do. And it's just a little we need to do it. Alec and the Koch brothers, they started doing this decades ago. They've mm. shown us taking some money out of the federal and investing in states. They have shown us how much that pays off. Yeah. We got to be smart enough to do the same thing. Yep. Yeah. Well, and I kind of want to build off uh, the great point that Ben made about, you know, Shroud Brown going to a place like East Palestine, um, but coalition building. That's what we saw in the victory against issue one this Absolutely. August. And I obviously think this is something that you kind of zoom out. Um, you see it in other states. And I think, I think that's how you win 
federally. I mean, you saw, I mean, obviously, David, you've former chairman of the Ohio Democratic Party, former elected Democrat official in Cincinnati and Hamilton County. But you had Republicans, former governors, even my old arch nemesis, John Kasich. Whoa. Uh, and we even dragged along the Libertarian Party of Ohio to oppose uh, issue one. So how do we keep those kind of coalitions? You know, everyone kind of came together and saw issue one for what it was. But how do we continue this coalition building on a more national level for all the other Republicans and independents who are tired of Trump, tired of the extremism mm-hmm. and kind of build on that from there? It won't be easy, but it's an awesome point. I mean, that, just to, for those who weren't watching Ohio, it was an incredible coalition. You had li- the Libertarian Party. You had Kasich. You had Taft. You had Democrats. Um, almost every retired Republican of note was against it. It was only yeah. the ones in power, which tells you something, doesn't it? Because right, they're yeah. in power. They want to keep power for it. And I do think, and I did a little one of my whiteboards the other day, the map, the results uh, this was a sort of a Steve Kornacki map. The result of that coalition was that a number of counties that are really red were blue, basically. They voted no. And I think it it kind of forces us to re- to think about not on every issue. You know, I don't think I don't think every Democratic politician can look at that map and say, that's what I'm gonna do. But in terms of democracy itself, a whole lot of people said this is offensive to mm-hmm. democracy. Even people who plan to vote no on the abortion referendum in November said, I may be against that, but this is not how that issue should be settled. We're a democracy. And so I think when we start having things like a referendum on whether or not to end gerrymandering, this was nothing but an attempt to gerrymander constitutional amendments. Mm-hmm. Same exact principle, rig the rules to win even you're in the minority. Well, that's gerrymandering. So I think this coalition is something to study and build on and realize that there were some Republicans who in the last week ignored their own party's endorsement, ignored almost every sitting member of their party and said, no, I'm not voting for this nonsense. They were really small, a lot of small government conservatives, libertarians. Geauga County is a conservative county, voted no. And, and I think the lesson is that there, and I write about this in my books optimistically, some might have thought it was naive, I might even question myself, but last week was sort of a evidence yeah. that there is a pro-democracy coalition that actually is bigger than the Democratic Party, or this would not have happened last week. And that is something to build on. And it's something to be really smart about as, as to how we keep that together. Again, not on every, it's not going to stay together for the Trump race probably in Ohio. I hope mm-hmm. it does. I doubt it will. But it really could stay together if we, let's say, have a reform measure to end gerrymandering next November. So the same crooked state house politicians who try to do issue one also can't draw districts simply to favor themselves. That's the same kind of tone of a campaign that I think could bring all these same people together once again. Mm-hmm. Right. And I, I'll just do a quick follow up and then I want Fernando to weigh in as well. Um, you know, you mentioned the next big vote in Ohio, and we are the only state voting on this uh, in this election year. And that is going to be the abortion rights amendment in November. I have been reading a lot about how this coalition could hold together because there are pro-choice Republicans. Uh, Libertarians yep. have been historically pro-choice as well. So maybe the coalition doesn't stay as strong as it was in August in Ohio. But that seems to be a success that Democrats are trying to replicate and making abortion rights an issue, not just this year, but going into 2024 as well. Yeah, no, I agree. There'll, there'll be some people who voted no here who will vote no in November. Mm-hmm. But I also think... This was an indirect vote on abortion access. 
Right. And so I think a direct vote on abortion access will lead to higher turnout of people who are pro-choice. Mm. Uh, I, I, the, the, the no people, I mean, sorry, the people who are anti-choice voted no. And, and I mean, voted yes, and they knew what it was about. But I think for right. a lot of younger voters, the college campuses were empty. So a lot of young voters weren't even here. Right. I think that if you lose a few voters who who simply had a democracy concern, even if they aren't for one's right to choose, I think you can make up for that in the higher turnout of people who are seeing a straight up or down vote on a right. woman's right to choose. And more than that, on getting rid of a ban on abortion, no exceptions for rape or incest that led to a 10-year-old rape victim having to go to Indiana. So I think this is, you know, I think 57 is a good number to start with. Mm-hmm. You might lose some, but you also could gain some in turnout if it's more clear what's at stake. Um, but yeah, yeah, I would definitely be looking for, I think most numbers show that the pro-choice side in Ohio is right around 60. That will include a lot of Republicans, a, a lot of independents. And I do think that that's, you know, the 57 number is a good starting point. And there'll be some you lose from that, but also I think some to gain. And it seems like so the issue itself, that's one thing. But people are agreeing that the structure, it has to be an even battlefield. Yeah. And it Mm, seems like people are finally waking up to that idea where it's like, well, we might even disagree on this, but we have to agree on the arena. We might disagree. We might be on different sides, but the structure itself, the rules, the rules themselves yes. have to uh, maintain democratic principles. And yeah, they've been eroded for a long time. And yeah, that's what was so encouraging. And by the way, this is a state that a couple of years ago voted 70 percent twice to end gerrymandering. So there is a broader consensus there. And I think that the challenge, I'll be honest, I'm a Demo- the challenge for Democrats is not to somehow act in a way that, that you lose that broader coalition. I think that it takes it's going to take a little humility to say, OK, we may still disagree on other things. But there's a lot of people in the state who last week showed up and said, I'm a Republican, but I'm not voting with my party on this. We've got to keep them thinking about democracy in the same way as we try and end gerrymandering and do other things in the future, other potential reforms. Yeah. You got some them, Fernando. Okay. So we were talking about getting more people involved. I think that's amazing. I think uh, the more people involved, the more dem- democratic it actually is. Mm-hmm. What about the people like that we just kind of a little bit talked about that are voting against democracy, people that they're voting against their best interest? It, do we wait till we, we have an issue to meet up on like we did about, you know, abortion? How do I uh, personally, how do I save democracy in my home? How do I save my friends right. that are voting against their best interest? Mm, good question. I think you, again, I'm going to sell you a broken record. That's a hard thing to do. Like People vote against their best interests all the time for other reasons. But I don't think we try very hard on this often. And I don't think we, you don't want to be patronizing about it either. But I think what my, my theory is from both books is these corrupted state houses, and they are corrupted sometimes through direct bribery like Ohio, but, but the broader mission of public service is corrupted. They're not serving the public. They're literally taking public assets. The Brett Favre's little thing in Mississippi is a good example. They're taking mm-hmm. public assets meant for everyday people and yeah. handing it over to private players. That's what they do. It's the same thing he did with the football, to be fair, when he <laughs> handed it over to the other team many, many times. Right. I'm a Packers fan. Yeah, I remember. Yeah. I'm, glad, I'm exactly. glad we got a Green Bay Packers reference. Well, in I here. remember. Yeah. He oh. likes to give it to the wrong team. <laughs> yeah. yeah, exactly. They're giving it to the wrong team. That's exactly right. I need a whiteboard on that. <laughs> right. and, and, but, but what happens when you give it to the wrong team? The right team pays the price. Right. Mm, There's right. school quality diplomats 
their health outcomes plummet. Their towns fall apart. They have trains crash with dangerous chemicals in their town because the, the regulations weren't protecting them. And so, Fernando, to your question, that's what you point out. You go to the small towns of Canada and you say, you know why your schools are doing worse? Because they gave the money to their donor in a scam. Do you yep. know why you're paying thousands of dollars for your son to play football on a public school team? Because they're mm. bankrupting our schools. Yep. I mean, if I were running myself in the future, I would literally name every single school mascot and say, why is so-and-so attacking the Mustangs? Why? <laughs> right, right, right. I, I would love that. Local. And that's when... That's not saying, hey, they're voting against your interests. That's saying they're voting against the Mustangs. Yeah, the team right, that yeah. we drive 100 miles to watch play football, they are making you pay for that. It's, or the, the, Norfolk, it's the Norfolk Southern chemical spills taking the field. <laughs> exactly. Right, right. And I yeah. think that's how, so you get into the issues that often will not feel political. I mean, put it this way. Some states have defunded schools so much it's down to four days a week. Right. The that's, family that's figuring out where to send Johnny to take, get taken care of on Friday because they both work. Right. That's not political. That's a crisis. Yeah, I have two yeah. young kids. I know that. I know what it would look feel like. So find those issues and run on those. Yes. And say it's it. because of that crooked state house. And all of a sudden, you may, by the way, you may not win the majority. On some, you may, by the way. But you're at least have people thinking, yeah, that that really is a problem in my community. And I didn't think about it, but it is because of that state house. Yep. If you're not running in half these places, that entire narrative doesn't exist. Right. And so I think that's part of it. Um, thank you. So thank you so much for being here. And I know you got to go. Speaking of football, you got something to do with your son here. Um, but just my last question, and we'll continue the conversation for a few minutes after we let you go. My final question is, and it's a little bit, I don't know if you want to answer it or not, but this is what I've been thinking about um, when it comes to the Trump indictments, all of these things, when it comes to uh, the legal system, the legal process being stressed, under stress. Some people have called it the deep state, a lot of different conspiracy theories surrounding that. How do you tell people that this is a natural Pro, that this is a healthy process in a way we're expunging it is the, the disease that is Donald Trump in some ways um, without sounding like you're some fucking fascist who loves the state. Right. <laughs> you know, yeah. because I don't particularly care for the legal system. I Rude think that boots. they've done some corrupt <laughs> bullshit. But in this case, in Georgia, we just had the indictments coming down. There's a lot of smoke here. And I think mm -hmm. everyone knows the house was on fire. So how do we tell people this is not about Trump versus the deep state. This is about, right. we're actually, we have to agree into a process. How do we tell people that by still, and still sounding cool? <laughs> I mean, well, law and order, right? Yeah. I mean, it is law and order. It is rule of law. And there's some people they are just not going to, I was saying to someone, if you are true, you know, if all you've done is watch Fox news and more conservative stations, you know, I can see why you're freaking. You think, oh, my God, they're punishing my guy just for being my guy. And you don't mm -hmm. believe any of the crimes. Mm -hmm. In some ways, that's why I think these things should be televised, because I think the best right. evidence of it would come through a, a deliberative revealing of all the evidence yeah. with mm -hmm. some people. Um, I think trying to just balance the crazy rhetoric or the R saying, you know, this is the rule of law. It's pretty clear what happened, but let's have a trial on it. But also keep in mind. We're not with there'll be some swing voters who do not vote for Trump because of this stuff. Yeah. But but I worry 
I worry, and I worry when this came out only a few weeks before issue one, the vote. This stuff is generally not how we're going to win elections in November 24. And so I would spend, I mean, if I'm out campaigning for almost any office, the more time I'm spending on this, the less progress I'm making. Right. And I'm talking about that school falling apart because of their policies. Uh, yeah. I, I, now, with, with our base voters, maybe that gets them to show up, but I don't even think it does for them. I mean, it's all legal stuff and all. I, I would still say get back to the things that impact people's everyday lives. If yeah. you're swing mm-hmm. voters or if you're trying to get the voters who feel like democracy doesn't matter for them and they're not showing up as much, I think you're back to issues that, that will lift them in their own lives more than having a year and a half of debate about legal cases. We, you know, we, we just seen too often that in the end, you know, the tr- it's very important there be accountability. Let me say, from a big picture governance standpoint, this is all critical. We would be inviting coups and insurrections all the time if we did not seek accountability swifter, frankly, than we have here. We should have done. But is this how you win elections? I, I'm afraid to say I wish it were. But right now, I, I think it's so polarizing that, that it'll, it'll sway some people. Yeah. But I think for the most part, I'd be back at those issues that, that people sitting around their dining room table are stressing about. And there's so yeah. much to talk about there. And we don't do it nearly enough. Absolutely. And the more things change, the more they stay the same. One vote is still one vote. Mm. And that's how you win elections. One vote at a time. David Pepper, thank you so much for being with us. Saving Democracy, a user's manual for every American that is out now. You can get it on Kindle. You can get it on all of the fantastic places that you buy your books. If you do have a small bookstore, please purchase the book from there. David, thank you so much for being with us today. Thanks, guys. Take care. Thanks for doing. Be safe. Across America, BP supports more than 275,000 jobs to keep energy flowing. Jobs like updating turbines at one of our Indiana wind farms and producing more oil and gas with fewer operational emissions in the Gulf of Mexico. It's and, not or. See what doing both means for energy nationwide at bp.com slash investing in America. Welding instructor Alex DeClaire knows firsthand how VR training platforms like ForgeFX can help meet the demand for skilled workers. Anywhere you go look, there's going to be a shortage of welders. VR training can help welding students learn the skills they need to begin and advance in their career. The beauty of virtual reality is it simulates that exact muscle memory that they need. Explore more stories like Alex's at meta.com slash metaverseimpact. All right, there it was, our conversation with David Pepper. Some great points being made. Ooh. As always. I mean, uh, the pepper mill was hot today, baby. <laughs> just add pepper. I'm, <laughs> I mean, look, when we had him on last year, we you've seen it in our conversations in mm-hmm. the years since. Mm-hmm. We keep going back to points he made yeah. about the state houses. Right. You know, this is why we've started covering more and more uh, state house news, whether it's a drunk speaker of the house in Texas Ooh. or a speaker of the house in North Carolina who has sex with everyone's wives. That's right. Uh, hey. These men, and they're usually white men, Republicans, have so much power. And so it, that's why, again, like David has highlighted in, in his last book, Laboratories of Autocracy, or in this new book, Saving Democracy, it's just really important to 
Yes, there's glam to the federal elections and the big races. Oh, and I think federal elections, I think glam, baby. <laughs> Chuck Grassley sounds so sexy right By now. By the way, Christie's just shining. Yeah, yes, the Freddie yes. Mercury of politicians. Yeah, right. Yes. But the state house, your state house, that's where it happens. Yep. And you have a state rep and you have a state senator, more than likely, and you got to know who they are and you got to hold them accountable. Absolutely. Absolutely. So, I, I mean, I'm really glad he answered my question about, you know, how I save the people in my life. Because I, I'm, I think uh, when we try to say, when we try to say, I'm going to save millions of people. Right. That's like, that's like Marvel Comics supervillain thing. Exactly. You can't do that. You can't make a decision for millions of people. But you can save yeah. the people in your life. Yeah. And so I, yeah. I think uh, really like him giving me kind of an idea of how do I approach the conversations with right wingers in my life who are voting against their best interest right. yep. while they're literally struggling to find work or struggling to get on EBT or get on SNAP or qualify for things that they should be qualifying for. Right. right. Absolutely. And again, where's the money going, Lebowski? Where is the money, right. Lebowski? Where's the money, Lebowski? They are funneling it up. The biggest lie this country's ever been told is trickle down economics. The only thing that trickles down is the shit. And they get all the cash. And we're seeing it in the state houses. I mean, the one thing about Texas, it does have to be moving the needle for rational people uh, all across this country, limiting water breaks for construction right. workers. I mean, just everything that Abbott is doing and the Texas state house has done, it's just inhumane and c totally counter to structural success, economic success. I mean, even just the cruel in you, you say what you want about immigration. Again, we can disagree with certain immigration. I think most of us agree here, but yeah. we can disagree with immigration, how big of an issue it is. But I think we can all agree that razor wires around the necks of children isn't good. Right. Right. That's a bad look. Yeah. And that, I mean, right? that, that's even in a bigger issue because we have state laws ignoring federal laws. Yeah. That's, you know, so that's right. a that's, that's a, a really issue. great place where. We see how dangerous it is when the state, the you know, the state house is controlled by crazy extremist Republicans. Right. Yeah. Well, and that's why I, I mean, really, in one party rule on either side, because, you know, coming from it can get e crazy. Yeah. East Coast, West Coast. Yeah. Right. Um, people. It's just it does. It takes it takes everybody to come together and just, you know, have a rational conversation. Otherwise, it just gets dumber and dumber and dumber. And that's why we're here. Well, sure. But that that's why I appreciate Fernando's question. Because, we, you know, we're talking about how all politics is local. And uh, David Pepper has always highlighted that, made some good points about just, you know, your local school district, you know, yeah. your town. And that's even what we saw in Ohio with issue one and how that got defeated uh, this month was essentially local people talking like, hey, did you know there's an election we got to go vote in? And right. to that point, Travis, that nullifies the culture war bullshit. What about the drag shows? Right, right, right. Who get, oh, yeah, whatever. That doesn't Think what us. you want about drag yeah. shows. I don't yeah. give a fuck. Okay? Yeah. yeah. Let's talk about school lunches. Let's talk right. about and exactly. just try to stay focused on that. But when I'm out there turning my kids into frogs that are <laughs> turning them gay. Yes, my kid's a gay frog now. Because how do you deal with someone who's coming and everyone? Let's not pretend there's not quacky people on the fuck. There's a lot of goops out there. <laughs> right, right, uh, right, there's right. a lot of psych and Sonoma liberals out there. You're like, what are you Q? And they're you like, like, oh, no, I'm Q. I'm Cora. You I'm don't Cora. Like, you don't like how my candle smells, Ben? It's it's vagina. It's oh, vagina. Let me know when you got a butthole candle, would you, Gwyneth? But I mean, <laughs> but uh, to that point, though, all of those things go away mm -hmm. when you just focus on, yes. okay, let's talk about school lunches. Let's talk about infrastructure. Let's talk about how you can't have clean drinking water when you go to your tap. This is a first world country. Yeah. You should be able to drink drinking water out of the tap. And now we're in an era 
where people expect it not to be drinkable anymore. Right. They just right. expect, oh, no, you don't drink. You drink water out of the tap. Whoa. And they look at you like you're crazy. And you're like, yeah, it's America. Yeah, we should have. We should be able to drink water out of the tap. Right. It's not that difficult. Right. And that's why, yeah, Fernando, I mean, nothing's more local than your kitchen table. Mm-hmm. Right. So when you have people in your family, it's like maybe they don't exactly agree with you all the time but talk about an issue those issues you know yeah the issue is like if you got if you're a millionaire a billionaire a homeless person a conservative a liberal whatever you are you go over the same goddamn pothole yeah they're, yeah, eating, yeah, yeah. they're all jump they're all da, 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 uh, wow. everyone's angry about that one bottle fix the pothole well, right well you know and I, not with ramen noodles by the way oh, <laughs> i've seen I, that trend. i love those tiktoks i don't understand it it's fake it's fake it's, fake. Just fill it with it's ramen. good editing good editing they fill it with ramen ask rob what... it's good editing oh, right. so well you know the the thing about what david pepper is he really blew my mind when with the example he made about schools cutting their day shorter or squ- cutting their school shorter. i didn't even realize so that, was that happened yeah. to my sister and so uh, my i was with family recently and so my niece only go gets half days on Wednesdays and I asked her why and she's like oh because the teachers have meetings and so in my head I hadn't I've been racking it in my head back and forth teachers had meetings when I went to school when did they have the meetings and then yeah. it just clicked to me no more overtime Oh, so, so there's no more meetings. Yeah. So, uh, well, they ha- they still have to have the meetings. So, what do they do? They cut school they days. Cut the school. Uh, and so, so it, it literally he now blew I will my say, mind. He, if oh. I was running for student council in sixth grade, I would say less school days. Sure. <laughs> so I might actually be on the side of that. But then, as an adult, you say, "Oh, wait a second. No, that's not right." Because as he mentioned, as Pepper mentioned, what an economic stress in a family. Absolutely. Oh, yeah. Child care when it was never an issue is now an issue. Right. Yeah. And I will say when I ran for vice president of the student council in sixth grade, I did promise that we would start giving teachers homework. I do like that. I would have voted for you. (laughs) Thank you very much. I appreciate your support. Also, an impossible promise. (laughs) Well, an impossible promise. I would have gone with more of this. I love that square pizza. I don't care what anybody says. Oh, well, we had that all the time anyway. Yeah, the square pizza. That's not going anywhere. (laughs) That is the only way forward. And that's what I thought was also such a great uh, point that David made when it comes to issue one. Even people who were pro-life said, yes, I'm against abortion, but this is not the way to handle this topic. Right. And that's the consensus that we've got to get back to. I thought that we had that nailed down yeah. for a while. Yeah. That we were like, oh, we all agree. It's the same playing field. But um, it's definitely been altered now. And uh, so I think that's the most important thing. Yeah. Keep it focused. Keep it simple, stupid. Keep it simple, stupid. And there's been a lot of good analysis coming out since the the post Roe v. Wade verdict that we had last yeah. summer. Ohio will now be the seventh state to vote on abortion rights since that verdict came down. Obviously, again, Supreme Court handing it all back to the states. So uh, all eyes are going to be in Ohio in November to see how, again, this abortion rights issue can cross party lines. Because there's a lot of Republicans, women, suburb Republicans, yeah. like they support their right to choose. And I would argue, even if you are pro-life like a joe biden mm-hmm. you can still be pro-choice yeah mm-hmm. you know i'm pro-choice i want every in a again in a, if it was a utopian world right and there weren't 10 year olds that get raped mm-hmm. right uh mm-hmm. okay but we don't live with it. we're humans yeah this yep. is it's a messy goddamn world right so i'm pro-choice because you don't know you can't legislate you don't know what people are going through and you can't legislate with a wide brush like that, because, again, you just don't know people's individual stories. Absolutely. I like conversations with people like Mr. David Pepper because they really put the focus on the pendulum of power. And it's something that we all kind of ignore because the sensationalism, Mm -hmm. like I get caught up in the back and forth about the drag queens and the gays. And I'm like, I don't want your kids. I don't care, you know, (laughs) but 
he's right. We have to focus on where that pendulum power is because yeah. if it swings too far one way, too far the other, yeah. we, and we talk about it all the time, but it's the it's yeah. what they're trying to distract us from. And these right. state houses are just so blatant nowadays. Yeah. They don't even try to hide it anymore. So Right. Democracy is a spectator sport. You know, even when you're not looking, that pendulum is always swinging. Right. And so yeah. it's important to, you know, don't exhaust yourself, obviously. Take a vacation now and then. Yeah, you can do all this stuff. You can be a happy warrior. Yeah. But when you can, step up, talk to your family, talk to your neighbors. And do what you can in your community. And as we've been following much in the past few months, it's easier uh, than it was before to follow the money. Mm-hmm. Uh, just follow right. the money. See why why is this being financed by that person? Why is Peter Thiel in Ohio? And then vote accordingly. Unless you're Diane Feinstein, but we put that aside. <laughs> oh, yeah. I don't know what's going on with this. She, I, I think she's she's turned inside out. <laughs> she's a frog. She's a frog. Gay frog. But it reminds me of that quote. Might be from a video game, but it says... Uh, just because you don't involve yourself in politics does not mean politics will not involve themselves with you. And wow. also, again, politics oftentimes can be uh, replaced by just being a humanitarian. Mm-hmm. Be a humanitarian. Politics are nasty, disgusting things. I sure. try to remember Jesus was woke. I just remember Jesus was woke. We simply yeah. don't know if he was. Uh, we don't know what he was. And uh, to be honest with you, he would probably not be. Well, um, I every think time I've gone to church, he's just a cracker. Yeah, like, All right, I'll yeah. eat that, Jesus. Give me it. Yeah, I think if he came back, you'd be like, now what is going on with these cars? And he'd <laughs> sure. be kind of be like, what's that? T- what's a TV? And uh, he'd probably be totally o- overwhelmed and probably commit suicide. Oh, no. Yeah. Well, that's um, when you know it's going well here on Earth. <laughs> Jesus right. kills himself. <laughs> well, thank you all so much for listening. Yeah, thank you. I know that we're on our little summer break as you guys are hearing this right now. Um, so thank you all so much for supporting this show for we're already over halfway through the end. Uh, we're almost done with the year. Yeah, I'm crazy. Fall's coming up, baby. I'm getting old. We have a show coming up. We do have a show coming Burbank, up. Burbank, Flappers. Flappers. Sunday, September 17th. It's actually Constitution Day. Uh, but we'll be showing Hail Yourself America over there. We might have some special guests. So, yes, uh, we will. Eddie down. Larson's going to be with us. Boom. If you're in the Valley, you know you already love Eddie Larson. Flappers. <laughs> yeah, you're going to make sure to come out. Of, why do they name them these? Why do they <laughs> name them? I hate your mouth is flapping. You're laughing. Flappers. <laughs> There's a lot of flapping going on down there. It's Jay Leno's home club. I know. We might run into him in the green room. I could finally hold him accountable for stealing my campaign ad and putting it on TV without my permission. Denim daddy. I know. <laughs> All right, everyone. Thank you for listening. Hail Yourself. We'll talk to you soon. This show is made possible by listeners like you. Thanks to our ad sponsors. You can support our shows by supporting them. For more shows like the one you just listened to, go to lastpodcastnetwork.com. BP added more than $70 billion to the U.S. economy in 2022 by making investments from coast to coast. Investments like building charging hubs for fleets of electric buses in California and starting up new infrastructure in the Gulf of Mexico. It's and, not or. See what doing both means for energy nationwide at bp.com slash investing in America. Luxury is meant to be livable. Discover the new leather collection at Ashley with premium quality leather sofas, recliners, and more, all built to last. 
No matter how many spills, scuffs, or pet-related mishaps come its way, the leather collection at Ashley is made with the durability you need for the whole family. Shop the new leather collection at Ashley and find chairs starting at $499.99 and sofas at $599.99. Ashley, for the love of home.